He couldn't sit back and do nothing. The island nation of the kingdom of Hawaii passed a law quarantining lepers to a colony and the living conditions were putrid. No running water, people dying and their bodies left out in the open, no one caring for the sick, no one caring for the hurting and the dying. But Damien, he could not sit back and do nothing. He had to do something. So at the age of 33, motivated by the gospel, Damien went to live among the lepers. And he, he told them upon his arrival that he would be one who will be a father to you and one who loves you so much that he does not hesitate to become one of you, to live and die with you. In fact, Damien went on to write his brother a letter in which he said this, I make myself a leper with the lepers to gain all to Jesus Christ. Motivated by the gospel, Damien went and lived among the lepers to love them, to care for them, and then ultimately he would die with them. And he joined Jesus in loving outcasts like lepers. And that's what we find Jesus doing in Mark chapter one. Let me show you. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Mark chapter one. We're going through a sermon series as a faith family called On the Move. We're walking through the gospel of Mark together. And we're seeing in this fast paced, this fast rhythmed book, how Jesus is on the move. The word immediately shows up 41 times. We see how Jesus is moving quickly and he is ministering all throughout Galilee in chapters one through nine. Up to this point, we saw last time when we were gathered together, how Jesus heads into Capernaum with four of his disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John. When he gets there, he preaches in the synagogue with authority. He casts out demons. He heals the sick, including Peter's mother-in-law. He wakes up early the next morning to pray in secret. His disciples find him. They then head out all throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. But notice what happens next in Mark chapter one, beginning with verse 40. It says, then a man with leprosy came to him on his knees, begged him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Then he sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news with the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. But he was out in deserted places and they came to him from everywhere." Jesus is approached by a man with leprosy. Leprosy was one of the more dreaded diseases of antiquity. It was a skin disease in which the symptoms include white patchy skin, sores all over the body, the loss of fingers and toes, and eventual death. At the time, it was considered a highly contagious disease. Therefore, lepers were outcasts. They were left outside of the cities. 
They had to remain 50 paces away from clean people. They were to live in seclusion from everyone else, oftentimes in garbage dumps. Famous Jewish historian Josephus said that lepers were treated as if they were, in effect, dead men. The first century lepers would wear a bell around their neck, warning people that if they were to come near them to stay away. According to Leviticus 13, when they were around other people, they were to cover their upper lip and and yell out, unclean, unclean. Now imagine having to shout that every time you went to the grocery store. Anytime you would go to a shopping mall, you would enter in saying, unclean, unclean. This was a life of a leper, lonely, suffering, despair, cut off from family, unable to enter into the synagogue or the temple for worship. Can you imagine this kind of life? The kids don't get to go to school with their friends. There's no sports that they can play. There's no being in the band. There's no being invited to parties. Social outcast, physical deterioration, emotional loneliness, no hugs, no holding hands, no affirmation. This is the life of the leper. But then along comes Jesus. Notice in the text how Jesus engages the leper. I want you to see first the compassion of Jesus. The compassion of Jesus. You see the urgency in the leper, verse 40. He's on his knees. He is begging Jesus to heal him. Verse 41, moved with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. That word compassion, it means to be moved in your inward parts. It means that deep down in your gut, you feel love for someone and it compels you to act. So when Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, the man was healed. His skin was made pure and clean like that of a baby. His sores were gone. His body was restored. Oil of Olay has nothing on Jesus. Now, Jesus could have prayed for him the way that Moses prayed for Miriam in her leprosy. He could have commanded him to go dip himself in the Jordan River seven times, the same way that Elisha told Naaman to do so. But instead, Jesus touched him. Jesus touched him. Don't miss the significance of the touch of Jesus. The compassion of Jesus compelled him to touch someone who probably had not been touched in years. If this man was married, it had been a long time since he had felt the embrace of his wife. If this man had children, he couldn't have caressed his children after a bath to smell their hair. This is a man who hadn't physically touched anyone in a long time. No one would touch him. Can you imagine how this man felt? Everyone avoided him, but not Jesus. Jesus reaches out his hand, all the comfort of Jesus. Beloved, if you are in Christ, there is coming a day in which Jesus will touch you. His nail-pierced hands will embrace you. 
And oh, the comfort that you and I will experience when our Savior, whom we love and long to see, will one day embrace us. He will touch us and we will be comforted by him. You see, the compassion of Jesus compelled him to touch those who were unclean. Westwood, may that be true of us. May we be a people who are not secluded to ivory towers, but we have physically appropriate touch uh, to those who are outcasts. We're willing to draw near to those who smell funny and look weird and don't have a place to call home. We draw near to the hungry. We take time to sit down with those with dementia and we hold their hands and remind them that Jesus loves them. We draw near to the bedside of those with cancer and we show compassion by rubbing their hair and caring for them. We see Jesus moved with compassion and it compels him to touch. May it be so amongst us. May we be a people who are so overwhelmed with the compassion of Jesus, it compels us to physically touch people. But you see, there's something bigger happening here. According to Leviticus 5.3, no one is to touch a person who is unclean. If you physically touch someone who is unclean, then according to Mosaic law, now that person is unclean. Sacrifices must be made at the temple to atone for your uncleanness. So what is Jesus doing here? Jesus is proving his deity by healing the leper. He is the one who cleanses the unclean. Jesus is showing himself to be the fulfillment of Old Testament ceremonial law. You see, all of the laws that God gave Moses in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers are fulfilled in Jesus. The law was not only given by God to us to show us how we ought to live, but the law was also given by God to show us that we can never keep it. It's impossible for us in and of ourselves to keep God's law. God's law shows us that we all fall short of God's glory. We all have sinned. We have all transgressed his commands. But God sent his son who kept the law for us. You see, Jesus lived the perfect sinless life that you and I couldn't live. You see, Jesus is the law giver and the law keeper who gave his life for lawbreakers like us. He is the one who gave the law. He kept the law and then redeems those who could never keep it. And here is Jesus, verse 41, moved with compassion, reaching out and touching the leper and healing him. In about three months, we're gonna celebrate Jesus getting dirty. The one who left the glory and the splendor of heaven and takes on human flesh. The one who was born to a poor family. The one who was laid in a manger. The one who would grow up under a father who was a blue collar worker. Here is a man who would walk the dirty, dusty streets of Judah. 
Here's a man who would eat meals with sinners and tax collectors and the sexually promiscuous. This is a man who would draw near to those who were unclean because through him, those who are dirty can be made clean. Jesus draws near to the dirty. He draws near to the smelly. He gets involved in our messy lives and he heals us, he comforts us, and he cleanses us through his gospel. You see, at the cross, he who was pure became dirty so that we who are dirty might become clean. Do you see it? This is the gospel here. All of us have the spiritual condition of a leper. Spiritually, every single one of us should be walking around unclean, unclean. That's all of us. And yet we have Jesus who draws near, who through his cross embraces and endures our uncleanness so that in him we can be cleansed. See, our hearts are evil apart from Christ. Spiritually, without Christ, we're unclean. And yet God loves you. And he has made a way through his son for you to be made clean. So though the, the filth of your sin is, is right and true in your heart, the view of the gospel is that God takes all of your sin, all of your uncleanness, and he nails it to Jesus. And then all of the cleanliness, all of the purity and holiness of Jesus is now applied to you. Oh my goodness. Let this be rocked beneath your feet, y'all. This is a beautiful, holy exchange. All of your sin is nailed to Jesus. And all of the righteousness of Jesus is applied to you. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says it like this. God made him who knew no sin become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There is a beautiful, holy exchange that takes place when you believe the gospel. All of your filth and the dirt and the shame and the sin of your heart and life and all of your past and all of your future, it's nailed to the cross and you bear it no more. Praise the Lord. This is good news. And as Jesus touches this leper and he speaks the words, I'm willing, be made clean. Watch how fast it happens. Verse 42, immediately he was healed. So too, when you trust in Jesus, when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you will be immediately healed of your sin. He washes you clean. It's your permanent standing before God in which you are just and you are perfect in his eyes. It's not your perfection. It's the perfection of Christ applied to you. You now have his cleanliness and his purity in you because of Christ. So if you gather here this morning, you've never trusted in Jesus. If you're watching online, if you've not banked your soul upon Christ, trust in Jesus. Come to him, believe the gospel, surrender your life to him because it's through Jesus. He takes away your spiritual leprosy and he will make you clean. That's what God does for you in the gospel. And when he does so, when he heals you through faith in his son, you know what's so incredible? Is that it happens instantaneous. 
It's complete immediately, verse 42. It happened for this man, and it happens for you as well. The sin debt that you and I could never pay back is paid in full through a bloodstained cross. So we see in the text the compassion of Jesus, but I want you to see number two, the command of Jesus. The command of Jesus. After this man was healed, Jesus, verse 43, sternly warns him not to tell anyone. Okay, Jesus was probably trying to prevent hysteria throughout Galilee over himself. You see, the more miracles that Jesus performed, the more the word spread about him and people would flock to him, but not for the right reasons. We'll unpack that here in just a minute. But here we now see in verse 44. But Jesus tells him rather, go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So Jesus is now sending this man to Jerusalem to fulfill Mosaic law given in Leviticus 14. There were sacrifices to be made, ceremonial laws to keep. And so Jesus is sending this man to the temple to keep these commands. Because remember, Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And notice though his motivation for sending this man to the priest, verse 44, as a testimony to them. Jesus sends this man to Jerusalem to testify to the priests of the healing power of Jesus. You see, Israel believed that healing was completely in God's hands. If anyone is ever healed, it's only because God did it. Second Kings chapter five, we see the Syrian commander of the army who has leprosy, Naaman. And a little slave girl tells Naaman, hey, there's a prophet in Israel who can heal you of your leprosy. And so he tells his, the Syrian king, he is then sent to Israel. When he arrives, the Israel, the Israel king tears his clothes because he's like, how is this possible? He says, am I God? I can't heal you. Why did you come here? I'm unable to help you. You see, in the mind of Israel, only God can heal you. So when Jesus sends this man to Jerusalem to the priest to show his healing, he is sending this man to prove Jesus is God. I am the one who heals you. I am your healer, says the Lord. The Lord is the healer, not just physically, but spiritually. And so he sends this man to Jerusalem, to the temple, to offer the sacrifices, to keep the law, but ultimately to prove to these priests, God is here. And it's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is proving his deity as the one who heals. So he commands him to keep the law of, verse, of Leviticus 14 and to go and to declare what God has done, which leads to number three, the celebrity of Jesus. The celebrity of Jesus. This man's first act after being healed was disobedience. Verse 45, yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news with the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. You see, this man went out and told everyone what Jesus had done, which is not what Jesus wanted. Right. Why? 
Well, it's because Jesus knew their motives. He knew their hearts. The crowd wanted Jesus, the miracle worker, to perform his show. But Jesus was not interested in being a miracle worker. He's interested in being their savior. So Jesus was evaluating the hearts of those who come to him. When we get to John chapter six, after healing the five, after feeding the 5,000, this big crowd of people are gathered around Jesus and they, they're loving it, okay? It's kind of like going to Gatlinburg. You're getting dinner and a show. You're getting fed really good food by Jesus and you see him perform these miracles. Like, this is incredible. And the crowd loved it. Yay, Jesus. And that's when he says, no, 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 no. If you're gonna follow me, you gotta be willing to die. Okay, we're not so sure about this anymore. Jesus is evaluating the hearts. And so as the crowds are coming to him, he's not interested in drawing a crowd. He's interested in making disciples. And by the way, that's a big deal in the church. The aim of the church is not to draw a crowd, it's to make disciples. It's the primary focus, the purpose that Jesus has left for us. But Jesus knew the motivation of the people. So much so in John, John chapter six, verse 15, they tried to come and take him by force to make him king. And so Jesus vehemently commands this man, don't tell anybody what I've done for you. Why? Because people are gonna be coming and seeking the sensational rather than seeking me. Question, do you follow Jesus for who he is or what he can do for you? For some, they come to Jesus because they wanna see the miracles. They wanna see what he can provide for them as if he's a genie in a bottle. Jesus is not interested in that. He wants your heart. He wants absolute, total surrender to him. And so he commands this man to go and make the sacrifice of Leviticus 14, but the man disobeys. He goes out and tells everybody and the word begins to spread. Isn't it interesting how the popularity of Jesus spreads throughout chapter one? In verse 28, it spread throughout Galilee. In verse 34, the whole town of Capernaum gathered. Verse 37, everyone is looking for him. Now, verse 45, he could not enter a town openly. Now, because this man went about spreading the news of his healing, Jesus had to go out, look at verse 45, into deserted places. What a picture of the gospel. Jesus, the son of God, was treated like an outcast so that outcasts like us would be treated as sons of God. What we see here is Jesus went and became an outsider so that this man could become an insider. Jesus is sent out into deserted places. The one who was the insider became an outsider so that the outsider could now become an insider. That's what Jesus has done for us in the gospel. He is abandoned by the Father at the cross. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus becomes an outsider so that we can become insiders. Maybe you're here today and you feel left out. You are one who feels like, man, I'm not on the in crowd. I'm not included. I get on social media and I see other people are included in this crowd and I'm not invited. Jesus says, I'm inviting you. Through me, you're an, you're an insider. I'm going to include you. If Jesus had a kickball team, you would be on it. 
He includes outsiders and he does so by becoming an outsider so you no longer have to be. And even as the church, this is a model for who we are to be. We are an inclusive people. We tell anybody and everybody, you can get in on this. The gospel is open to anybody and everybody. We are an inclusive people who hold fast to an exclusive gospel. And the good news is that anybody, no matter your past, no matter what you've done, Jesus invites you and he includes you and says, you can be part of this. So a word for us as a church is let's make sure we never become a country club, y'all. Let's make sure we don't let cliques and groups break out, factions in which we say it's just us. We open up our life groups and we say, anybody can get in on this. We want you to see the miracle of Jesus and how he changes lives starting with me. The power of the gospel, it's open. Maybe you're a middle school student or a high school student. You feel like you're just excluded. You're not in the in crowd. You feel left out. Jesus says, I'm including you in. You can get in on this. You are invited to be a part of this. We see Jesus who is now out in deserted places and he does so gladly and willingly so that those on the outside can be brought in. If you feel like you're on the outside, Jesus is inviting you in. You can get in on this, the gospel, the good news of a crucified and risen king who loves you and bled and died for you and so that through him, you can get in on the gospel. Well, the question is, Kenneth, how? How can I do that? How can I experience the healing of Jesus for my soul? Well, let's stare at verse 40. We see here in verse 40 that first, we have to come desperate. We have to come desperate. Verse 40, it says he came to Jesus. It begins by you coming to Jesus. It's an act of the will in which you come to him. But notice how you come, verse 40. He approaches with desperation on his knees begging him. This man was desperate. He, he violates all kinds of customs and ceremonial laws. He's not supposed to be around groups of people like this. He's supposed to be way out there saying unclean, unclean. But here he is coming to Jesus and he comes with desperation. Hear me, if you are desperate, Jesus will meet with you. He is a breath away. When you cry out to him in the moment of your desperation, he will meet you there. Jesus loves to meet the needs of desperate people. And so we are just like this leper. We must humble ourselves and desperately come before Jesus, even on our knees begging him, and he will meet with you there. So you come desperate, but number two, you come humble. Bad English? Great theology. You come humble. Look at verse 40. The key word here is the word if. Jesus, if you are willing. This man knew that Christ could heal him, but he did not know if Jesus would heal him. This man knew that Christ had the power, but he doesn't come as one presuming upon God as if God owed him something. 
Here's hesitation here because he's approaching Jesus very humbly. You see, servants don't make demands of the master. And so this man approaches Jesus with humility. And it's as if the man is saying, you don't have to heal me. I have no right to demand anything from you, but only by your grace and mercy. Jesus, if you are willing, and all is God willing to heal those who cry out to him with humility. It's the will of God. First Timothy 2.4, God desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. He doesn't want any to perish, 2 Peter 3.9, but for all to come to repentance. This is the heart of God, is that you can get in on this. You come desperate, you come humble, and then thirdly, you come believe. You believe. Notice the leper's declaration to Jesus. He says, you can make me clean. Jesus is willing. May I say to you, whatever sins are in your past, whatever shame is thrown in your face, whatever you look back with regret, Jesus can heal you. He can wash you and make you clean. He proves it through his shed blood at the cross. You see, the only requirement is that you be a sinner. And guess what? Everybody here qualifies. Therefore, everybody can get in on this. All of us are debtors to grace. All of us need Jesus. He is a worthy savior, so believe upon him. The prophet Isaiah saw a day in which Isaiah 1:18, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. This is what God does for you in the gospel is he washes you clean. This is what we're supposed to do. Impact point. Here's how you respond. Come to Jesus and be made clean. You may be thinking, but I've I've committed the worst possible sin. There's no way God could receive me. There's no way God can forgive me. Listen, take your eyes off yourself and fix them on Jesus. He can heal and he can forgive. The greater the sin, how greater the glory that he can forgive you. Jesus came to die for sinners and guess what? All of us qualify and now you can get in on this. So come to Jesus and he will make you clean. It doesn't matter how dirty or filthy you are. Jesus loves washing sinners. And he does that for you. And he's done that for me in the gospel. But you've got to come and you've got to believe. This is what he offers to you. It's this great gospel that anybody can get in on. And so now we are just like Damien. Westwood, we can't just sit back and do nothing. We draw near to the sick, to the hurting, to the dying, to those with leprosy, to those with cancer, to those with AIDS, to those with different skin color, to those who look different than us. And we say, I don't care. Jesus breaks down barriers. And I'm gonna join Jesus and become like him. And I'm gonna care about the forgotten. I'm gonna speak up for the weak. 
I'm gonna speak up for the fatherless. I'm gonna step into places in our world that needs the love and the touch of Jesus. I'm gonna be an ambassador for Christ as one who goes and loves and shepherds and encourages and builds bridges and shares the gospel and points to the only one who can provide salvation for anybody and everybody who calls upon him. Today, you can be clean. And I know this because of the bloodstained cross.